Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the dinner table, or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au. On 11.16 SEN, this is the Flag Flyers for the American-Australian Association devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia. The Flag first in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler. Alongside me is Lucky Miller. What's going on, Lock? Uh, same old, same old. Excited to be back for another week on the airwaves. You just come from a, a run. You, did, you just did a run. You're, you're looking, you're looking quite fit. Primed at uh, two a.m. in the morning because obviously we change our body clocks to uh, adjust for for the show. But running in the dark, that's a bit dangerous. A bit dangerous, but um, uh, no predator would want to attack me mainly because I'm not worth anything. So no, Alastair Clarkson left jab to the face. <laughs> Clarko, uh, I think. Um, I actually think I'm a bit disappointed in Alistair Clarkson, mainly because he could have connected and he should have. Um, not not that he shouldn't have done it, it's just that what a waste of opportunity. <laughs> I mean, he, it was effectively a free pass to actually get in a good hook because, you know, notoriously he's known for being a little bit of a cheap shot artist. Just going to put it out there. Hey, I'm a Carlton supporter. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, But, um, you know, he, he had a... It was a left hook, wasn't it? And he, he missed. I'm like, come on, mate, you're close range. I don't know if he missed, but he, he didn't connect as well as he could have. But the- I, I think he certainly... For someone, Connected. for someone that's vertically challenged, in, in the week that the Pacquiao and Mayweather fights on, <laughs> you, come on, at least do that some some justice and let like the little man fight for once and actually learn how to connect. I mean, you know, I'm I'm in the fighting mode. I, I watched the Mayweather, and it's nothing to do with Australians, but I was watching Mayweather best of or no, sorry, it was called Greatest Hits. Pun. Oh no, yeah, yeah, it's on his actual channel. He made it himself. So, are you actually looking forward to the fight on Sunday? Oh. Unbelievably. Really? Unbelievably. I cannot wait. Are you actually kind of doing anything for it? Where are you going to watch it? Uh, well, it would be somewhere with alcohol because that's mainly where pay-per-view is uh, yeah. is held. Because that's um, I'm not... Most places would have um, entry prices, wouldn't they? Uh, no, it's kind of like the UFC. I mean, like the, the easiest way to do it is just go to Crown because um, they have it on. Uh, you know, I previously when UFC... 183 or whenever it was on with um, Ronda Rousey and also the uh, John Jones fight. Uh, they've got it on at um, one of the sports bars at Crown. And no cover charge? No cover charge, no. That's pretty good. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, but you're in the you're in the venue. I mean, everyone, naturally, when we're talking about sport violence, there's also alcohol involved. So <laughs> Absolutely. everyone buys a drink, that's your entry fee. But, oh, Pacquiao and Mayweather, uh, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, do you, Have you been following any of it? I'm not a big boxing guy at all. Aren't you? No, uh, even not even the, a little bit. Even these two? No, I'll, I'll be I'll be at work anyway, so I'll, okay. I won't be watching it. Let, let me paint you a picture. Floyd Mayweather is kind of like Justin Bieber times the Collingwood and Carlton Football Club put together. As in how much you don't like them? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, just say no one likes them. Okay. Yeah. Oh, May- Mayweather, no one likes Mayweather? Oh, absolutely not. He's he's a, he's a despicable human being. How? Well, and we'll, we'll get on to what's on the show a little, in, in a second. Priorities, but I just yeah. want to hear about this oh, first. I mean, he's been convicted for for domestic violence. Oh, okay, he's incredibly yeah, yeah, arrogant. Yeah. He's got. But all boxers are arrogant. You can't just not like him because Ma- he's arrogant. Pa- but the, the Ma- uh, Manny Pacquiao's not. Manny Pacquiao's the future pr- president of the Philippines. Future president. He's of the actually, I kid you not, listed as a um, professional basketball player because he played, I think, one game for one of the teams he owns in the Philippine basketball. It. And. Uh, the, the, the team that he owns, I think it was, or one of the teams he was playing against, one of the former M- NBA D-leaguers that was that was playing in the opposition team called him out over Twitter once. 
and it, and in the Philippines, that's a you do not diss Manny Pacquiao. Like he, <laughs> there, there, there's there's God, and then there's Manny Pacquiao. Like I'm not even kidding. And um and the organization for which this NBA D League player was playing for fired him. Really? Yeah, but probably probably their best player because like you do not do not speak ill of Manny Pacquiao. Like he's he's godlike. Wow. Anyway, but yeah. Anyway, speaking of godlike, uh, we've got Andrew Bogut. We got Andrew Bogut. Well, I'm going to talk about Andrew Bogut. Yeah, but we. No, you should have said, speaking of godlike, we're going to talk to Peter Hooley. Oh, because we're having Peter Hooley on the show later on today. You didn't know. We had a chat earlier on with him. So it was me and Damien Arsanis from pickandroll.com.au, one of our good friends. You weren't a part of the chat, but we had a, a, a tremendous chat with Peter. Obviously, he's gone through a lot this season with his mother passing away from cancer and also him hitting that tremendous game winning shot in the America East Conference tournament to get him into the uh, the March Madness tournament. So it's been a phenomenal year for Peter. So we, we, we touched on all that sort of stuff, so it's, it's definitely worth I, a listen. I decided to let the basketball specialists uh, take control there because uh, given off my, my track history, my, my, my contribution to the basketball chat, so more talking about Hugh Greenwood's man bun. And do you think people have, Anth- have realised... Anthony Drimmick's cat and all that sort of stuff. Do you think our listeners have, have kind of tapped into the fact that during some of these interviews that you just don't hear from you for about five or ten minutes... Sometimes. I mean, like I, I, I love basketball. <laughs> I'm just not a fanatic about. It. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm. You're a, more of a football guy. I'm a proud. <laughs> this is a very rare thing. I'm a proud Knicks fan, even though absolute rabble. And like you know, I follow it. It's just that when it talks, you know, the specifics. You and Damo just go off another tangent. I'm just here, thinking. <laughs> All right, well, you know, it's great to be here, boys. You've now revealed your true self and how you are actually not up to the level that uh, you probably should be if you're on a show like this, Lucky. Uh oh no, I, I, I can fake it. <laughs> uh, I, I know more than enough about NBA and uh, and, and uh, college hoops. It's just well, you have to know a lot about NBA now because we've got a whole bunch of guys going. Well, we're going to be talking to um, Ben Yam Kadane from um, from Believe the Hype as well. He's going to come on shortly for uh, for rounding the bases. So we're going to be covering all the playoffs games and there's a lot of Aussies that we've got to look out for. So it's just one of those sports that you have to actually make sure to get into. Even if you're not an NBA guy, uh, you just got to make sure to follow the playoffs this year because. More likely than not, there's going to be an Australian participating in the NBA Finals, the what? actual Finals. How good? I know this is still not Australian. But how good is Steph Curry? I mean, shooting is, it with his eyes closed. Is there is there any chance he will not be MVP? Small, but I, I think he will get it. Oh, I think um, there's a small chance. How how good was? The, but how good was James Harden? <laughs> Harden's been playing just as good as Steph throughout the playoffs. Sort of thought. Yeah, I know, but I how mean, how good's Paddy Mills? Curry's fade- Mills is putting up some good numbers. What about Curry's fadeaway three the other day when he had like three people on his and his eyes closed? Well, were they? Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just what a season. But anyway, and talking about um, people from the Golden State Warriors that are probably more applicable to talk about in this show, Andrew Bogut, big payday coming up um, potentially. Uh, yeah, you just tell me about this one. Yeah, yeah, Andrew Bogut is set to earn two point four three million dollars. Uh, this uh, as a bonus this season after playing a leading role as a bonus by the way as a bonus as a bonus as a bonus yeah Bogut need to play uh, 65 regular season games uh, and qualify for the N- all NBA I'm sorry NBA all defensive team um, to trigger a bonus clause in his 15.3 million that's Australian dollars uh, or 12 million US dollars per season contract so um, he's played 67 regular season games and he's uh, finished sixth in the defensive player of the year award voting so um, you know what, what would you do with an extra 2.43 million dollars in your bank account quite a lot I'd say I'd, I'd say I could make it work for uh, for quite a few things I'd uh, I don't know, I'd probably invest in property so I'd I'd want 
a house in the States, a house in Europe, and a house in Australia. I'm sorry. Can, can you give me a moment while I just fall asleep? That's what I do. You just ask me what I do. That is 100% what I do. Come on, mate. When, when you get that much money, at least at least do something. I may crack stuff. open a beer. One, one solitary beer? Well, yeah. What, what sort of beer? Houses bre- are expensive, mate. What sort of beer would you get? Vubu? Well, actually, I got one in the uh, in the fridge already, so I wouldn't yeah, actually buy I, another one. I got promised coming back from my run directly into this studio that I would be uh, refreshed with a beverage that had um, some alcoholic content. But we have to make sure that you're on your game, and I know that when you've been having a couple, then you're <laughs> sharp, a, mate. There was so. a hand gesture there that was probably more suited to TV than it was to radio, <laughs> but um, thank you for implying uh, like you get to a little bit shaky of one beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, mate. Hey, big show coming up. We're, we're going to be chatting to, um, to Ben Yamkadan uh, very, very shortly, as well as Xavier Player from Hewitt Sports Network about the latest goings-on uh, in the world of Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball as well. We're going to be chatting to Peter Hooley. We're going to be playing that chat that uh, Damien Arsenis and I had with Peter Hooley a little later on, but uh, now it's time for Rounding the Base. Joining us first up on Rounding the Bases this morning is Xavier Player from Hewitt Sports Network. Xavier, welcome to the show. How are you, Chris? Yeah, not too bad. But now, before we actually dab into the uh, the baseball news, we actually uh, got more pressing matters to attend to. You claim, I saw on Twitter today, you claimed to have one of the best burgers of your life earlier this week. I claim to have had the best burger of my life on Friday night last. This show's deteriorated real fast. <laughs> no, because this is important because I'm a big fan of burgers and I'm sure all our listeners are fan of burgers as well. And again, we will get to the baseball very soon, but I get very excited when I hear about new places to have burgers. So where, what, what place did you go to? Uh, so it's called the Grand Trailer Park Taverna on the corner of uh, Burke and Exhibition Street. Done. So we get a burger next, a free burger next time we go. Done. I just can't. Sorry, I have to interrupt there. I, I can't wrap my head around how any place called that's got trailer park in the name can be associated <laughs> with quality. I mean, what? isn't that a bit of like an oxymoron? And look, we should specify before I keep talking, this segment isn't paid for by them at all. No, but we get free burgers next time we go. And if, it, if, if, <laughs> if, if, if people want to give us free stuff, Huxter Burger, Huxter Burger, Huxter Burger, Huxter Burger, Mr. Burger, Huxter Burger. That's... Yeah, that's always good. No, so it's, it's designed on the inside that you sit in booths that are like the inside of, I guess, what we call caravans, American called trailers. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's very American style. So yeah, it's got a really chilled out vibe. The only food they serve is burgers and they do desserts and um, a range of uh, crazy cocktails and spiked milkshakes as well. Do they have um, do they have beer? Uh, they do have beer, although I, I opted away from a beer so that I could have a milkshake that contained bacon. Boom. Oh, wow. You love your bacon, don't you? Oh, yeah. And is, it, is it sweet or does it taste... Bacon. Sorry, what was that? Find me someone who doesn't like bacon, though. <laughs> I, I don't like bacon that much. Ah, uh, vegetarians. <laughs> yeah, but uh, both. <laughs> no, they like it. They just want to have it, it. Is it like? Is it sweet or is it just like a like a savoury milkshake? I, I should I should clarify the milk. The bacon wasn't actually in the milkshake. There was a slice of bacon across the top of the glass. Ah, uh, what? Yep. So it was a. Uh, oh, so you could just eat it on its own. So, so the bourbon, uh, the milkshake was uh, bourbon and salted caramel. <laughs> And then it came with like a rasher of bacon, like sitting on top of it. It's kind of like the weirdest. Like what you would do with marshmallows normally. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the weirdest way to combine cow and pig. <laughs> but it's also fantastic. So. It's like now I've got nothing else. I was just gonna say like yeah, it's m- milk and milk and bacon, cow and pig, but well, just not meat wise. I went to ribs and rumps on Friday night in in uh, on, in Northland at the front of Northland there, and I had pulled pork barbecue beef burger and, and that was all right but 
It doesn't sound anything like what Xavier's saying, so I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. But let's get into the baseball chat because we've spoken enough about burgers and I'm getting very, very hungry here. But uh, you've got some news on Travis Blackley and perhaps where he might end up. Uh, I have seen over the weekend through Travis Blackley's Twitter account that he's been on the road again and he's signed somewhere. He hasn't revealed where that summer is yet, but through research, I've come across the fact that it's the Miami Marlins. Ah, former home of Josh Spence. Yeah. Yeah, now nothing nothing confirmed by the club as far as I can see, but he'd originally signed a deal to play with the uh, Somerset Patriots, who, an ind- who are an independent league team, and a journalist from Somerset, New Jersey, uh, tweeted out, Travis Blackley, we barely knew you. He's headed off to the Miami Marlins organisation. That's the only confirmation I can find. Well, you know what we're going to have to do, Xavier? Dave Sampson, the president of the Marlins, is uh, a regular on Morning Glory on SEN, and he's on every, I think, Wednesday morning, so we're going to have to ask him this week and see if he can confirm that. That would be fantastic. Absolutely. What about Liam Hendricks? So he's pretty much the only Australian now that uh, Travis Blackley has left the majors and, and Grant Balfour has been uh, designated for assignment as well. Uh, what's the latest with Liam? Uh, he's thrown twice in the last week, threw an inning against Baltimore on the 21st of April, uh, walked the guy... Gave up a couple of hits and a couple of runs. Then two days later, he pitched point one of an inning, uh, struck out a guy, and gave up a couple of hits and a couple of runs. So, yeah, not not the greatest couple of days for Liam. But as long as he's still on the list, that's kind of all we're hoping for at the moment, unlike uh, Grant Balfour, who's uh, unfortunately not in the system anymore. Is there any news on him, by the way, But while, while we've got you? Uh, no, no nothing, nothing appears to have happened with him in the last week, from what I can tell, so... We're just going to have to hold out hope. Yeah, a couple more days uh, in his uh, DFA period and he'll turn into a free agent. Uh, fingers crossed he can, can get a deal somewhere. What about the minor leagues? This is We're going to shift our attention to minor leagues now because we've got uh, a lot more players in the minor league scene than we do in the majors. So how, uh, how are we looking there? Yeah, good. Uh, a couple of guys to focus on this week as usual. Uh, first off, starting with Tim Atherton, who's playing with the Stockton Ports, who are the Class A Advanced Affiliate of the Oakland Athletics. He has, he's a pitcher. He's made four appearances this year, earned run average of uh, 1.17, and he's thrown 23 innings in those four starts. It's not a bad effort. Not, not, a, not a bad start for you at all for him. Who's it, who would, be, who would, be, would, he, would he be one of the um, the main players to look out for if we were going to follow the minor leagues? If, we, if there was a couple of players that we uh, really wanted to keep our eye on, would he be probably the one that uh, we should do that? He's probably not a bad one to keep me on. He's on. He's at Class A advanced, so he won't see action. Probably if he continues this form, he may get called up for Double A at some point this year. But he's he's no chance of seeing action at the top this year. Yep. But yeah, certainly over the next couple of years, if he keeps developing the way he has over the last couple of years, he went six and three in 2014, uh, then eight and five in 2013. One and two in 2012, and three and zero in 2011. So since 2011, he's only had one losing season, which is uh, very good. By the way, speaking of uh, minor league baseball, I, I saw Bull Durham for the first time this week. Very interesting. A what first time? Bull, Bull Durham. Have you not heard of Bull Durham, Lucky? The movie with um, Kevin Costner. No, never heard of it. And uh, um, I have not. Who's the guy from the player? Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. I haven't. I'll have to put that on. It's my... a movie about minor league baseball, Matt. There's. To be you, fair, there's an awful lot. There is. Are you, are you a fan of the movies, Ave? I, I am. It's a good movie. Sorry, speaking about movies about minor league baseball, I don't know if this is an uh, affiliated minor league baseball movie or just a uh, lower league baseball movie. It's a movie called Ed. Ed? E-D? Yeah. Never heard of it. 
Uh, starring uh, Matt LeBlanc, and the movie centres around a monkey who plays third base. <laughs> oh, now I'm intrigued. Oh, no. You have to tell me more. Well, Matt I LeBlanc was the first giveaway. I don't know anymore because I've never seen it because I can't find it anywhere. That's probably a, a good thing, to be honest with you. Are you sure this wasn't like a parody or is this legitimately <laughs> I'm real? Sure it's a real movie. You know what we should do? There's a, there's a whole bunch of good baseball movies out there. One day we should get you to... Or, or we should all... Put our brains together and come up with our top 10 favorite baseball movies because there is plenty. Yeah, there, there certainly is. And I've, I think I've, I've rented a couple more. I can't even remember what ones they were because I, I rented them on Wednesday or Thursday. So I kind of just, I've, I've lost track of time a little bit. But um, yeah, it's yeah. sort of Australian spin on things. I have sitting in my DVD collection, unwatched at the moment, Million Dollar Arm. Does that ring a bell for either? Oh, um, that, that is, I, I told Chris about this last week. John Ham. Yeah. yeah, it's really good, isn't it? It's I haven't watched it yet, but it's the story of uh, Rinku Singh and uh, I can't remember the other bloke's name, uh, who it, were mm. part of a reality TV show in India to uh, basically convert cricket players into pitchers, and they both ended up with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Rinku Singh spent a few years in the ABL, none of which were exactly covered in glory, unfortunately, but I can say I've seen him pitch live. How long ago was this? Uh, his last year in the ABL would have been 2012, I think. Yeah, well, maybe I he, saw him as well. Because he signed, um, he signed, because they trained out of USC. Um, yep. And he, uh, I think they got the contract in, uh, I think it was mid 2008 or late 2008. Yeah, that right. Yeah, because he pitched for Canberra in the first year and pitched for Adelaide in the second year. And his numbers in Canberra weren't great, and he struggled with a lot of his fundamentals. The next year when he was with Adelaide, his fundamentals improved, but his numbers were still in a bit of trouble. Right. I might have seen him as well, because I reckon that was about the time that I started actually heading down to ABL games. The last year, the Aces were at the showgrounds. That would have been it. That was the first year I went. There you go. Yeah, nice. I think it's... I think it's, um, it, it's it's up there, like, I, I love it because it's like uh, the, the storyline of being sort of like talent ID or talent transfer. I've got a bit of a fascination with that part of sport in general. Um, but it's uh, it's my second favourite move, uh, baseball movie to Moneyball. You know, it's Moneyball's just... good. Yeah, it's a really good story. It's 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 been done by Disney, but it's still got a little bit of, you know, um, authenticity to it. Yeah, a touch of reality to it. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it hasn't been completely Disney-fied. Um, <laughs> I think I'm just making up words here. Well, isn't Glory Road Disney as well, the basketball movie, and that's a phenomenal movie. Oh, yeah, that's another one um, that's been yeah, done by Disney. I've got that one on DVD. That's a good one. Um, the Titans. Is that, is that Disney as well? Remember the Titans? I'm 95% sure. Oh, I love that movie. Amazing movie. We have to do a movie segment now with with you. Not, we're going to expand it from just baseball movies now to any movie, and then we're going to have a segment about burgers as well. It's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Look, I, th- I think we're kind of branching into the territory here where we might need another show altogether. <laughs> or the fact uh, that... Keep it on going with our guys in the minors. Uh, Matt Canelli, who is playing uh, AAA with the Gwinnett Braves in the Atlanta Braves system, he has been playing pretty well over the last week. Went two for four today, picked up another hit. Um, sorry, one for three today. I'm, I'm reading my stats in the wrong order. <laughs> one for three today, but had two RBIs. A uh, couple of days without a hit, and a couple of one-hit days. So he's regularly making contact, which is good, and driving in a few runs as well. He's now got uh, four RBIs through 26 at-bats on the season, so yeah, not bad numbers. 
Nice one. Now, we just want to get a, a time a little bit here, but you've got uh, something to finish off. We always love your uh, weird and wacky uh, stories that you tell us to finish off your segment. So what do you got for us this week? I've got for you this week, both of you gentlemen would be aware of Adrian Beltre, correct? Yes. The Texas Rangers player who has earned, I believe, $186 million in his career. Right. So that's, that's good for him, but it's not really weird or wonderful. But, it's just relatively standard for a decent level major leaguer. Yeah, he's, he's a very good player. But what he's done recently is he has sent an invoice to a pitcher for breaking his bat. No. Is he that, has. They're not allowed to do that, are they? Of the Los Angeles Angels broke three of his bats during their clash on Friday. And as a result, received, received an invoice from Beltre for $300. That's but, $100 a bat. But it's not as if he went over and just purposely smashed him. I assume it was while he was pitching to him. Is that correct? It was, yes. But <laughs> Beltre has still invoiced him. He's just not holding the bat correctly. He held it to the wrong side. You know how you, if, you, if you hold the wooden bats the wrong way, then they snap? That's all he did. I know, I know. But not only that, he Beltre apparently went out to an office supply store and bought proper inventory sheets. <laughs> And then wrote on them, cash only, no check. Are you serious? I am dead serious. Fiscally, fiscally aware of what he's doing. He is, but in an interesting twist, um, what Garrett Richards did instead of giving $300 was gave Beltre a signed batting practice bat and said, I hope this covers the debt. <laughs> What's with players doing this? Because there was a story that came out earlier this week with um, the NFL player AJ Francis becoming an Uber driver just to make a little bit more money. He's earning a couple of million as well, and he's just decided to become an Uber driver because, as he says, more, the, the the thing the only thing better than NFL money is more money. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's just a more money thing or if it's the more I've got to do to entertain myself, the better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I kind of respect the Uber thing a little bit. I don't think it's <clears throat> probably necessary. I mean, it's ridiculous. If I'm, a, if I'm a professional athlete and I have equipment break in the course of a game, I'm not invoicing the guy who did it. No, oh, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about um, uh, the, the Uber. Uh, Uber. AJ Francis. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you on that one. I'm just saying with Beltray, like, you know what? Equipment breaks. You've it's part of the game. $6 million in your career. But it's, it's no. part of the game. It's not as if the pitcher went out and purposely smashed his bat into the ground. No, not at all. <laughs> it's part of the game, mate. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that, that pretty much wraps it up this week. That, that, that's fair enough. But just, just going back to that real quick, do you reckon that if someone uh, broke someone else's... Like, all right, so today, Kelly Olenek dislocated Kevin Love's shoulder. Should Kelly Olenek have to pay for the medical damages? Armbar. Um, Oh, Kevin Love's shoulder isn't worth much, if you ask me. But... <laughs> oh, I think that's, that's you being a Celtics fan. Yeah, that, that's, that's yeah, being a little that, bit bitter there. Me being a Celtics fan. Uh, no, no, he shouldn't, because um, I'm sure that the people in the NBA have wonderful health and work insurance. And Sa- same goes for the bats, though. Same goes for the equipment in the, in the oh, majors. I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's... Uh, that's probably the strangest thing we've come across. You know what? So far. That certainly takes the cake, mate. So thank you very much for that. But uh, as always, we appreciate you coming on the show, mate. And we'll speak to you next week. No dramas, mate. Next up on Rounding the Bases, we've got Ben Yemkadan from BelieveTheHypeNBA.com. Mate, welcome to the show. Mate, thanks very much for having me, guys. Mate, it's always uh, good to get you guys on when we're talking NBA playoffs. It's very exciting. I'm, I'm a Celtics guy, so I'm a bit upset that uh, that my team got uh, swept by the Cavs, but we'll get to that very, very shortly. We want to start off by talking about the Golden State Warriors. They've swept the Pelicans, and of course, Andrew Bogut is a big reason why they did this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andrew Bogut had a fantastic series, uh, especially you know, coming up against that 
uh, that Pelicans front line, although he didn't spend a, you know, a whole lot of time uh, against Anthony Davis. He, him and Draymond Green did a fantastic job sort of in that defensive tandem uh, to try and limit him. And I, and I think they did a great job uh, coaching-wise and as well uh, sort of using their bigs to, to try and not get the most out of AD. But AD still did have a very, very impressive series of uh, you know, 31 points, 10 boards and three blocks you know, across, the, across the four games. He's an absolute freak. And we were just talking about um, Bogey before. Not only did he make the playoffs and his team swept in the first round, but uh, he's got himself a nice payday coming up with, uh, with his bonus. Yeah, I think he's you know, due a couple of million dollars for, uh, for playing the minimum regular season games. I think there was a, an all-NBA kicker in there as well. So he's due for a, a little bit of extra money, which is always nice. That'll do. So can you see anyone really stopping Golden State at the moment? Because the way that they're playing, not only their interior prison interior presence, but their three-point shooting, Steph Curry's just going ballistic. So is, is there any team that can actually slow these guys down? Well, it'll be an interesting one in the next round because they'll most likely play the Memphis Grizzlies, and I think that's where uh, you know, we might see a bit of a, a match-up problem, and, that, and that's what the playoffs are about, uh, are about the matchups, and, and with Bogut you know, coming up against the big guys with, uh, with Gasol and, and Zach Randolph, that's going to be an interesting test for them because they're two big bodies, and a lot of, the, um, a lot of their points do come into paint. I think they average about 48% of their points in the paint. So that's going to be a big test for the Warriors because defensively in the paint, whilst they do have a great rim protector, they're going to need a lot of help uh, from the other guys to try and you know, make the Grizzlies a jump-shooting team you know, if they do uh, advance, which it does look like they will. So that's going to be an interesting one match-up-wise for them. But I, I still think the Warriors uh, you know, should be too good for most teams out west. But uh, it'll, it'll be, I don't think it'll be as cruisy uh, going into the second round as, uh, as the 4 sweep in round one. If the Grizzlies do make it through and they were to play the Warriors, wasn't there some uh, injury concerns for the uh, Grizzlies' backcourt with Conley? And I think Allen was uh, battling an injury as well, wasn't he? I think he's picked up a little bit of a knock. Uh, Bino Udrich missed the last game as well, uh, but he should return for game four. But Mike Conley, I think he's going in for surgery uh, and he's likely to, uh, he will definitely miss game four and you know, potentially a little bit longer as well. So hopefully, you know, for their sake, he does sort of recover pretty quickly. And, we, and you do see that with facial injuries as well. A lot of guys do tend to come back quite quickly and, uh, and don one of the, uh, the Batman-like masks. So I, could, I wouldn't expect to see him miss too much time. Yeah, well, that's all right then. Well, we go from a series that uh, was relatively one-sided to a series that's probably, you would think, going to go the full distance, and that's the Spurs against the Clippers. It's a 3 versus 6 seed, but really, when you look at the standings, there wasn't a whole bunch of difference in between, and there was only one game actually separating those two clubs. It's set to be a, a, a powerful series, I reckon, and, and one that probably doesn't warrant a first-round uh, battle. Yeah, I mean, this is the only you know first-round series that's locked at, uh, at two games apiece, and, and you're right, this really you shouldn't be a, a first-round series, but we do have two you know, great teams that are going at it, and, and the series so far has been uh, pretty up and down. Both teams have you know, kind of had their sort of fair share of momentum. The Clippers came out in Game 1, and then the Spurs you know, did a great job to wrestle back uh, the advantage. But uh, the game we just saw in Game 4 was a pretty impressive one for the Clippers, and uh, very well-timed because... You know, this was probably the best playoff game we've seen Chris Paul play, and, and Blake Griffin also was very, very uh, impressive in this game. So now we move into a game five. It's, it's as you said, I think this one's definitely going to go down to the wire, but I think the, the Clippers, you know, they needed that winning game four. It's a big confidence boost for them because they got their bench involved. They got their two best players, you know, probably playing as good as we'll see them play against the San Antonio team. So uh, I, I really can't wait to see how this one plays out. We spoke about this with the counterpart Tom Reed last week on the show, but the um, the, the, the Clippers kind of uh, made life a little bit tough for uh, Aussie Aaron Baines last week when I think Blake Griffin had about three monster jam- uh, jams on him. Has he kind of recovered from uh, f- from that, Aaron Baines? Oh, look, I don't, I don't think Aaron Baines really cares about that kind of stuff. He he's the kind of guy that's always going to go up for the block. He's always going to you know, to try and get himself in between uh, whoever's coming at him in the rim. So for him, it's the, the only thing I would have probably thought about that was maybe you know 
bring a bit more physicality to Blake and, and, and you know, not let him get to the rim and foul him a little bit more. But you know, Aaron Baines is a competitive and, and physical guy. So I'd say if we see more uh, more court time for him, I don't think it's going to go uh, go so easy. Paddy Mills is actually getting some decent minutes and, and putting up some good numbers. He was struggling towards the end of the regular season there, but I think he's, he's relatively, you know, he's, he's found his groove a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the end of you know, game two and then also in this game as well, uh, you know, Greg Popovich trusts Paddy Mills, and and for him to be in late game situations, and also uh, at the end of quarters, that's a, that's a really good sign for Paddy because coming into the playoffs, we didn't know if you know, Corey Joseph was going to get a lot of those minutes, which it looked like it was uh, at the end of the regular season. But Paddy's done a, a great job with the opportunity that, that you know that he's been given, and and you know he, he's delivered uh, late in games. I mean, he, he had 14 in this game, but uh, you know Austin Rivers out of nowhere had a, had a pretty impressive, you know, especially fourth quarter against Paddy Mills. But uh, but Paddy's that has been great for the Spurs, and that's the kind of little kick off the bench they are. They definitely need. That's why he's there. So I'll begrudgingly shift the uh, focus from the West Coast to the East Coast playoffs, and uh, the Cavaliers made life uh, very, very tough for the Celtics, who pretty much had as good of a season as anyone could have possibly hoped for. We were supposed to have a tanking year. I say we because I'm a Celtics fan. We were supposed to have a tanking year. We ended up making the seventh seed, and it was never going to be any contest for the Cavs in the first place, but they, they, they just did what they had to do in the end, and Della Vadova, while I didn't get a whole bunch of minutes, still contributed to, uh, to, to the win. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cavs, I mean, they, they had a lot of different guys stand up you know, through, through each of the four games. You had the Kyrie game, you had uh, Kevin Love that was you know, playing really well in, in, in this game until he was hurt, and then also LeBron uh, had a couple of pretty monster games as well. So all three of those guys, have definitely found their groove, but uh, it's it's not looking great for the Cavs right now on the injury front, given that Kevin Love is likely to miss about two weeks now with that, that dislocated shoulder. That's going to really you know, put some pressure on their rotation and, and also David Black to see how he's going to uh, massage that through because Kevin Love you know, has been an integral part of their team. Although the you know the box score doesn't really show it with him, he's, he's still a very important part of their setup. So now we're going to look at a situation where you know the Cavs may have to go a little bit smaller or, or Tristan Thompson might have to come into the starting lineup. But uh, along with Kevin Love, J.R. Smith's going to miss a couple of games as well after being ejected from this one. So although they've got the 4-0 sweep, this is probably not the situation the Cavs envisage going into round two. Well, they're going to be waiting for the winner of the Bulls or the Bucks. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And, and, and that's going to be a bit of a, a match-up problem as well with the, the Chicago front line, which has you know, been very impressive so far. And the problem with the uh, the Chicago Bulls front line being so good is that we're not seeing Best get any minutes. So it potentially could have been a nice round, a second round matchup between uh, two teams featuring Aussies, but there's pretty much zero to to none chance of um, of Besto actually getting any minutes, is there? Yeah, I mean he's he's, he's never been one to to get on the court for that long season uh, as it was, and in the playoffs. It's very much the the starters and the sort of eight man rotation that you do see uh, a lot more of, and the starting guys do tend to play a lot more. That's just you know the nature of these games that you know every possession counts at, at, at this stage of the season. But you know for the Chicago Bulls, they they've kind of surprised a lot of people in the fact that you know they're all finally healthy, which is very important. But you know Derrick Rose is playing really well. Jimmy Butler uh, is becoming you know a legitimate almost number one guy uh, on this team. So this is a, a, a pretty you know, murky matchup for the Cavs. I think this one it could be very interesting. Although they do still have one more game to go, it looks as though you know the Bucks probably won't put up too much resistance here in uh, in Game Five. So let's dial it down and get a little bit serious here, Ben Yam. We were speaking to Xavier Player before, and and he claimed to have one of the best burgers he's had in his life last week. Are you are you a fan of uh, of the burgers, my friend? Oh, oh, I am a burger connoisseur indeed. Oh, where, where's some of your favourites? So you you're, you're living in Sydney, don't you? I'm down in Melbourne now. Oh, you're down in Melbourne? Oh, beautiful. So where, where is some of your favourite places, some of your favourite burger joints? 
Well, there's uh, there's a couple of good spots in Melbourne, the uh, Grand Trailer Park Burgers. Uh, yeah, that's oh, the one he God. said. <laughs> we did not set this up. That is legitimately the one that Xavier just said. He tried it for the first time on Friday, and he loved it. That's that's funny you should say that, and it means that I'm going to check it out this week. I definitely do recommend all the uh, the Bee East, the Brunswick East. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had that one before. That's not too bad. Yeah, they're probably my two uh, two go to burger joints uh, at the uh, at the lack of in and out in Australia. They're the two little. <laughs> I had an in and out for the first time when I went to the states uh, last month, and that, that truly was one of the best burgers I've ever had. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably my uh, my goat of, uh, of burgers. Nice one. Hey, what's coming up on the show this week, man? Uh, we'll have a pretty action packed uh, episode, few episodes this week. I think we're going to run about three uh, with all the action. We'll have uh, Jamison Welsh and, uh, and also Roscoe Whaley, our two correspondents over in the states on. Uh, yes, talk all things DC and Portland, uh, and yeah, we'll just be just be going through pretty rapid fire this week. So a lot of fun should be coming up. Beautiful. Thanks, Ace, man. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks again. Flying the flag in the US of A. This is the Flag Flyers. They've got to go quickly, though. They've got to get it on the attack, going to the rim. Sanders drive for the tie, no good. Rebound comes out to Hooley for the win. One point six left. Albany by one, Purifoy is stripped, and Albany is going to the NCAA tournament for the third consecutive year. It was a shot that was seen and heard around the world, and it meant a whole lot more than just a trip to the tournament. The University of Albany's Peter Hooley has been through a lot this past season. His story is certainly one worth telling. Peter's been kind enough to join us on the line now this morning for a chat. Peter, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, fellas. It's good to be on. Now, well, let's start off by talking about the shot. It was one of the greatest shots that we've seen for a very long time, not only because of how difficult it was or all the timing or, or anything like that, but also because of its significance because it's, it's a single shot that uh, kind of defined your season, both the ups and downs of, of, of what you've been through. If that single shot becomes the legacy that you leave on the collegiate scene, what would you think of that? Uh, I think it's pretty beautiful, really. I think that's the only word I can uh, and describe it as. It was... Uh... As you said, it was a year full of many ups and downs for me. Uh, but this place over here has just uh, really, really made it a home for me, and they really just wrapped me up and been there for when I needed them to be. And uh, I realise now that winning a championship here in, uh, doesn't just uh, give your team a, a lot of joy; it gives the whole community. They uh, they really get behind you guys here. So uh, if that shot uh, can be remembered for more than just what our team could do for everything else, then it's uh, going to be the best things that ever happened to me. So Albany this season, uh, you had the story, uh, the fairy tale story last year. This year, uh, you, you really had the target on your back. So, given everything that you experienced, how difficult was it to truly celebrate that moment after all that you'd been through? Uh, I think that was probably the hardest part for me. I think uh, the moment when the shot went in, uh, I was celebrating with uh, with everybody on the court. I remember Mike and Sam Rowley uh, pretty much jumped on me straight away and. And that was a cool moment. You want to experience that with your team. But then uh, within the first couple of minutes, I just wanted to take myself away from that. And I just wanted to, to be by my own and almost try and just talk to talk to mum, talk to my family uh, on my own. And uh, there was plenty of tears for me. I, I remember I walked away after I cut my piece of the net down and sat on the side of the court away from everybody. And uh, thankfully, covered my teammates' door and they all walked over and put their arms around me. So it was hard to celebrate, but... Once it all uh, could finally sink in, uh, I could realise just how beautiful and perfect the moment it was. So it's uh, really something special. How did you actually feel about the attention that uh, the story was given, both in the States and in here in Australia as well? Are you glad that it received 
as much recognition as it did and, and that it might inspire others who are struggling uh, like you had been to kind of um, do something with themselves and, and just kind of pick them up a little bit. Are, are you happy that uh, it got as much recognition as it did or would you have rather kind of been able to cope with it uh, on your own uh, away from the spotlight a little bit? No, I'm absolutely happy that it, it did the way it was because, uh, as I said from the start, if my story managed to touch one person and help them through a tough time and it's done its job. And uh, I tweeted out a, a couple of weeks ago about a, a phone call I had with a a 12-year-old boy in, the, in this local area who uh, I, someone reached out to me saying that his mother had just passed away and he had a championship game on uh, coming up the following day and he told his dad that he wanted to play because I was playing for my mum and they wondered if I'd uh, give him a call and I said, of course. So I, I gave him a call and uh, he was doing well and it was just that moment, uh, that 15 minutes, I had a chat with that kid where I realised that all of this uh, has been great, winning a championship and all, but it was just that particular moment that really resonated with me and made me realize that uh, this is the, the perfect moment and the fact that I can help a little boy who's going through the toughest thing I've ever been through just means the world to me and my family. Look, we can, we can only imagine what you've had to go through and all that, but while that shot was fantastic, I've got it recorded. I'll definitely be referring to it now and again, um, just, just as I've done with Ryan Brokoff's shot um, a couple of years ago. Uh, I guess what's been overlooked here is you've had a pretty good start to your college career. You know, three years, three trips to the big dance. The last two years, uh, this one included most outstanding player in the America East tournament. So tell us about that. Like, did, what were your expectations heading to college and all of a sudden, you know, for, from an outsider looking in, this guy's come come to college and he makes the tournament every year? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been pretty crazy. I don't think I expected anything like this. I knew... Coming into our conference, that it was a one-bit league, so you have to win to go to the tournament. And uh, so I was uh, going to be happy to do it once. And I remember the first year we did it, and we played Duke, and I was like, "This is the best time of my life. This is great." And then to uh, to have done it three times, it's been pretty unreal. And uh, everything else has just come with it. All those little accolades really just uh, it makes me feel feel like I've made the right choice in coming here, and I've also uh, made my family proud, which is what I always try to do. But uh, I guarantee that not many people uh, maybe knew who I was uh, when I first came over here I was a little skinny kid from Australia and uh, I'm glad that I could get a couple of rings out of it that's for sure oh look if, if I had the opportunity you'd you've had I'd be absolutely loving it right now but I, I guess after all, all that you've done there's you know you've had the great performances Albany's gone there Albany's made a name for itself in Australia now as well. You know, that shot has really put it at the forefront of, of minds and is really alongside St. Mary's, which gets a lot of airtime and had a, had a lot of publicity. So do you think that could start something a bit greater here in Australia? Uh, I think it could. I think uh, uh, America's Commerce uh, did a terrific job this year of uh, broadcasting some games on uh, ESPN down uh in Australia and New Zealand for when we played a heart food with a lot of other Aussies and stuff like that. And uh, I think the bridge is, is slowly getting uh, even bigger, which is great to see. We've had a lot of successful Australians come through here, but uh, just to see uh, everything else off, off the court that uh, has gone uh, being televised back home when they see how, how wonderful this place has been uh, for me, especially when I, had to, when I did the uh, cancer fundraiser uh, on a night here and how much the community got behind that. Uh, it's really, uh, it's really been a special place for me, and I'm glad that now the whole of Australia can see how amazing it is. And you mentioned that there's a number of Australians on the team, and I think that's uh, surely helped you in, in that time there. But 
Um, we noticed that Jeremy McKay, who was part of the team this year, he's departing. Are you able to shed any light on, on why that's the case or, or your perception on that? Uh, I think it's just different for every player when they come over. I think everybody uh, wants to be, put themselves in a position to, to be successful and everyone wants to play. Uh, I think if you ask any player coming out of uh, any position, any school, they'll, they'll say they want to play 40 minutes a game and stuff like that. And I think he just thought uh, it'd be better if his opportunity if he was to go uh, elsewhere. I know he has a couple of friends at Eastern Washington. And uh, I'll miss him around here. He's definitely a, a good mate of mine. had a great time with him this year, but I'm sure we'll keep in touch and uh, wish him nothing but the best, obviously. How much does that help, actually, having all these Australians playing in the same team as you to be able to provide you that emotional support uh, that you probably needed over the past couple of months? Oh, I think it's everything. I think that's what ultimately helped me make the decision to come to uh, Albany, knowing there was already a couple of Australians. It's just a home away from home, really. Uh, even throughout the last four years, you get to talk about things going back home, the footy, the cricket. Uh, it makes you feel like you still are at home when you're not. And then uh, to know that these guys are... Uh, more than just players and, and friends. These guys, like my brothers, uh, I've been with them for, for so long and we can connect on more than just a basketball and school level, on uh, a family level as well, which makes it uh, really good for me and it, it makes it me feel way more comfortable than I could ever have imagined. And I can't say thank you enough to those specific guys that have been everything for me. So along with being a, a tremendous basketballer, Pete, you're also a, a very, very talented writer. You've, uh, you've written for the New York Post. You've uh, got your own blog as well. You've written for pickandroll.com.au. So you're, you're an avid writer. Has, has writing kind of become somewhat of a sanctuary for you, given everything that you've been through? Is it kind of like a place where you can uh, kind of grieve through the writing process? Uh, yeah, I think it's always been that way. I think uh, everybody know, who knows me knows that it's hard to shut me up. I love to talk and whatnot. <laughs> but when it comes down to for really uh, saying how I feel or what's going on. But the best way for me to do that, I feel, is to write. So uh, I've spent many nights over the past probably eight years, maybe ten years, just writing uh, before I go to bed. And it's just the easiest way for me to get to get my thoughts down. And uh, luckily I've had a, a, a lot of good feedback saying that the pieces have been pretty good, but uh, maybe I need to edit them a bit more because all I know is I put some words down and, thing and press send and it goes from there. We're talking with Peter Hooley out of Albany, mate. We've um, I've, I've read a lot of your stuff through, through your blogs and, and on pickandroll.com.au as well. Have you got a lot of feedback from, especially your last one that you wrote called Dear Mum that, um, that you tweeted out uh, a, a couple of weeks ago? Have you got a lot of feedback uh, from people who, who have read that? Yeah, I've got a, a lot of messages and emails from people saying that uh, they, how thank, thankful they are that I can be able to open up and share about this uh, tough time and uh, people saying that it's, it's helping them and uh, they're proud of me, and that's all I can really ask. I, I'm glad that it's uh, helping people who've been in uh, similar situations because when it comes down to it, I'm definitely not going to be the only one who's ever going to go through something like this, and uh, I'm glad that I can help people who do go through something similar because it's hard, and uh, luckily the best part is you're not going to be alone through any of it. So you have all these people around who are, who are going to be ready to pick you up when you fall, and that's just the way that a family is, and it's great. Wise words there. Um, so now that you've had a bit of time to digest everything the success on the court things that have happened off the court and I guess what, what, what what's the biggest thing you take away from everything that's happened whether it be emotional or from a basketball standpoint uh, I mean probably for me just just living in every moment I think that's uh, big for me uh, I had it tattooed on my ankle when I was 18 and uh, I really tried to make sure that for every single moment that I try and make the most of it and not worry about 
something that's in the future because I, I can't predict that and I can't change the past. And uh, I know I'm an emotional guy, especially on the court, which our coach always kept on me about, but uh, I've tried to mature in that way to know that I can't change things that have happened. I just make sure that I live in every moment, whether that be on or off the court, and seems to be a pretty successful tactic of mine. So hopefully I can continue to do it for years to come. But you've been asked to serve as the Albany's undergraduate commencement speaker. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what this what this entails? Uh, I got a, a phone call about two weeks ago asking uh, if I wanted to do it. It's, uh, we have graduation uh, May 17th, so there'll probably be about I would say 5,000 uh, graduating seniors and then all their family and friends. So there could be upwards of 8,000, 9,000 people, maybe plus. So it's going to be a, a big, big honour for me and I think normally you're supposed to uh, submit a draft to a speech and they pick it uh, out of all these different speeches. But uh, I guess they uh, wanted me to do it since everything I've been through and it's a tremendous honour for me and I can't wait to be able to congratulate this entire class of 2015 and then also send them on their way with hopefully uh, some nice words before their college career is done. So on the court, we've talked about some of your success off the court, you've also been very successful, as we've sort of alluding to now. You've had a host of achievements um, both ways, and a 1,000 points, uh, you've achieved a great mark. Looking ahead, next season, what are sort of your plans, and, and where do you think the team can go, given the likes of Sam Rowley have um, graduated, and there's going to be a bit of change within the team? Uh, it definitely will be, but uh, I've been here for, for so long now that I see all this change, and uh, I, I'm lucky enough to have uh, coaches around me who help uh, help me try and get these new guys on the same page as early as possible. And <clears throat> I have no doubt that uh, we're going to be successful next year. We still bring back uh, Evan and Ray, who had terrific uh, first years out of JUCO. So uh, the way we see it, we're trying to do better than we did this year. We want to win it all again, uh, and we want to try and go deeper in the tournament. We want to win that first game and keep going from there. And I have no doubt that. Uh, we can get everybody on the same page early on in the season that we're going to be successful. Have you set any individual goals for yourself as what you wanted to achieve on the court? Uh, no, I mean, I have all my, my little goals about uh, maybe trying to get player of the year and stuff like that, which which would be cool, a cool little accolade. But uh, I'd love to see all these new guys coming in and experience the tournament. That's big for me. Uh, I set it from every year that uh, I want every guy to experience it, and especially sending out the seniors the right way. Uh, I've had some pretty good friends of mine who have been seniors and I had to send them out the right way. So uh, I guess more than anything, I'm trying to send myself out the right way of the championship. It wouldn't seem right if I didn't do that. So let's let's go ahead. You, you've made the tournament next year. Who is your round one opponent? Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, who do you want to play? I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind playing a team that we've already played so I can get a, a shot back at them, maybe uh, <laughs> Oklahoma, Florida or Duke. So either one of those three would be nice to try and get a bit of revenge. Uh, revenge is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So, now with with, um, I just wanted to quickly ask: Sam Rowley gradu- graduates this year. Is there any word on what Sam's looking to do from a playing point of view next season? Uh, I ask him pretty much every day, and he, he seems to give me the answer that he hasn't decided and has not sure what he wants to do. So, uh, luckily for Sam, he, he's talented in many areas. So, no matter what he does, he's going to be extremely successful at it. So I think it's just coming down for him to decide what's the best thing to do for him in his life and I'm sure he's going to do terrific things and if it's on the basketball court then I'm sure we'll hear a lot about it and if it's not he's going to be very successful uh, in the workforce. 
Peter Hawley, thank you so much for joining us and, uh, and sharing your story with us, mate. Best of luck for your senior season. We're all going to be following you very, very closely here in Australia, and hopefully ESPN do show as many Albany games as possible. They started uh, playing a, a lot towards the end of last season, so hopefully, that, hopefully they can uh, continue that trend. But we're all inspired by uh, what you were able to do, mate. So thank you so much, and, and, and keep flying, mate. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Chatting to Australians flying the flag in the US of A, this is the Flag Flyers. Welcome back to the Flag Flyers. Chris Dyler and Lockie Miller. We haven't got too long left of the show, Lockie. We just finished uh, the chat with Peter Hooley, and you can listen to that uh, on the website, sen.com.au, as well as theflagflies.com.au. We podcast uh, all the uh, shows, not only on uh, Audio Boom, but also uh, on iTunes as well. So make sure you head to our iTunes and, and check it out and subscribe and make sure that every time we do upload something that you can get it. But it's certainly a chat worth listening to again. Make sure you save it and listen to it whenever you're feeling down because Peter Hooley truly is an inspiration. He's a phenomenal guy, not just a, a great basketballer, but... Just a tremendous human being, and uh, we, we wish him all the best for next season. We're going to be following Albany very closely, but another thing that we took away, it's, I don't really like taking this right turn, but we go from talking about Peter Hoy to talking once again about burgers, because I, I we weren't going into this expecting to have this big conversation about burgers and, and movies as well, uh, but I think next week what we should do is we should find out from the people on Twitter, and you can hit us up on Twitter at The Flag Flies or our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Flag Flies. Let us know either your favourite burger joint or your favourite sports movie of all time. I uh, can we narrow it down? Just to, I mean, they're, they're like two narrow of the most popular to topics of all time. I want to find out because I want a good night where I go have burgers and then go home and watch a movie. And I want to know what I should do. So, am I saving my favourite sports movies? I've got a few. Or we we save that for next week. So, no, say a couple, and then next week we'll kind of do a top ten. So, make sure everyone out there who's listening, make sure you tweet us at the flag flies your favorite sports movies and your favorite burger joints because I want to create the ideal night out. Because for me, my three favorite things in the world are burgers, movies, and sport. In that order? No. So how do they go in order? Sport, movies, burgers. In the entire world, yep. sports, movies, burgers. Yep. Sweet. Beer is as, as a fourth. As a su- as a, like a, a supplement. Oh, so beers. I'm. Gl- I hope your girlfriend's happy. I mean, you know. Oh yeah, but my family and girlfriend. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, they're in the, they're in the. Girlfriends uh, and family aren't included. Uh, <laughs> but if they were, they'd be fifth. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no favorite sports movies. Uh, I'm just reading off the top of my head. Moneyball. Um, well, actually, it wasn't a movie. It's more of a real life event. The 1993 Grand Final at Essendon beat Carlton. Yeah, v- that doesn't count. It's the, a movie. The v- no, I just want to movies. No, I'm just bringing it up because I'm messing your Carlton. And- 99. Um, portion of audio removed due to explicit <laughs> nature. <laughs> no, seriously, actual movies rather than life events, actual games. Let's let's come up with just a couple right now because we don't have a lot of time. We'll come up with a couple now. We'll just throw a couple movies. in the pot. A couple of movies in the pot. Moneyball. Moneyball. Moneyball is so good. See, remember the Titans is probably one of my favourites. Mighty Ducks I'd chuck in because that just brings back a lot of memories. That's that's more for the nostalgic reasons, I Glory think. Glory Road. Glory Road is up there, but I wouldn't have Coach it in my Carter. top five. Actually, Coach Carter would be my top three for sure. Coach Carter. I think that's one of my favourites as well. Uh, what about um, We Are Marshall? We Are Marshall was a very good oh, we one. We Are Marshall, yeah. Um, let's, this, this is too difficult. It's, it's there's, there's so many good ones. A League of Their Own, Bull Durham, all those ones. It, there's a, a whole lot of them that are, are very good. So I think for next week, we're going to start the show by talking about our favourite sports movies and we'll, we'll try to get as many responses as we can off the Twitter. So if anyone has uh, an opinion, make sure you do tweet us at The Flag Flies or hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Flag Flies. But that brings us to the end of the show today, Lockie. I'm starving. I want to go and get a burger from whatever joint it was that uh, Ben Yam and, and Xavier were, were raving about. But I'll see you next week. And, and um, 
make sure you, you do uh, have a listen to the podcast. Again, it is you can find it at scn.com.au as well as uh, on our iTunes uh, at The Flag Flies. If you just search for The Flag Flies on iTunes, you can find it there. So have a good week, and we'll catch you next week.